0: Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, as we wait deep into the night to find out if MLB and the Union are ever going to come to a deal, we will talk about the Dodgers defense and how it stacks up with the rest of the National League West. And we will either break some news on this episode or break the fact that there was no news during this episode. So we'll be with you for the next half hour. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. This is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. Remember this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better go ahead and subscribe in all those places and never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time listening or watching, my name is Jeff Snyder. That's my co-host Vince Semperio. Did I point the right direction? No. That time you did. Oh, okay. Second time. Uh, awesome. I knew I could get it. Uh So yeah, Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans, just like you. We both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, which is a good thing, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. So please subscribe wherever you get podcasts and or on YouTube. And let's talk about the Dodgers. Um, So yeah, Vince, uh, for the second time in the last eight days, I guess, we are recording an episode late at night as we wait to see if anything is going to happen on the labor front. I got to do this on my own last week while you were on vacation. And uh, today we are, you know, Rob Mantra keeps using that word deadline. And as Inigo Montoya would say, I do not think that word means what you think it means. Uh, Because uh, apparently the deadline last week was not an actual deadline. Uh, I hope Rob Mantra, I don't know if he's a parent or not. I hope he doesn't have kids because... This really isn't a good way to, like, you got to let people know you mean what you say. And don't get me wrong, I'm glad that uh, we still at least have a theoretical chance at a full 162-game season. But, you know, if it's not a deadline, don't call it a deadline, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, and I'm trying my best over here. Last week, when this was all going on, I was at a Bad Bunny concert. Today, when some of this stuff was going on, I went to go watch a three-hour movie, And I'm trying my best to, you know, be in the worst possible place for the news to break. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, The deadline, you know, quote unquote deadline. You know, realistically, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're making these deadlines, obviously. There is a point where they wouldn't be able to fit 162 games into the already predetermined time without having to add time on the back end. You know, six, six, seven game makeup in between double headers and off days still theoretically possible, which is why this is the new deadline. But at some point, you know, it's going to come to it's going to come to the part where they can't make up games and there will be games that have to be canceled. They're not quite there yet. Um, you know, this Tuesday deadlines going into Wednesday on the on the West Coast now. Um I, w- I would imagine if they get it done by Wednesday at some point, then everything still kind of goes the way it should be, because at the end of the day, what they wanted to do is get players in by Friday. And, you know, they could go even into Thursday to get players in by Friday, not every player will report on that Friday probably, but most guys are already in in Arizona or Florida. Um as we and we've seen a lot of players at the MLB player at the MLB association camp. Um, a couple of Dodgers as well there. So it seems like these guys are ready to go. The players are ready to go. The owners want to get it done, but they're still, they're getting closer, but it's, it's not quite there yet.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I, get the impression that the plan would be if they do get a deal done that the plan would be to just take that first week of the season that they canceled and just tack it on at the end of the season, which would then push, you know, the postseason deeper into November, uh, which isn't an issue if it's, you know, another Dodgers raised world series or something. Uh, but, you know, uh, New York, Chicago, places like that get kind of chilly in late October and early November. Uh, so, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's uh, yeah, hopefully it they get it done. And I think pitchers are the most important, uh, the people who need spring training the most, I guess. And uh, at least for health reasons, obviously some hitters need more at bats in in spring training than others to get ready. But Uh, Yeah, I I think if they can get it done, uh, you know, as of right now, as far as we know, you know, we're recording this at, it's currently 1122 p.m. on Tuesday night Pacific time. So that puts it at what, 222 a.m. where on the East Coast where they are. Uh, Are they in Florida still or again, or are they negotiating somewhere else? I don't even know.
1: They're on the East Coast. I don't know if it's Florida or New York.
0: I know the world runs on East Coast time, it seems like. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. uh, So but like I said last week, it's not tomorrow until you go to bed and then wake up. And so they're going to do their best. I I did see Bob Nightingale reported that they have extended their deadline to Wednesday afternoon. Um, So if if that's the case, this would be the fourth deadline. Um, And, you know, like you said, they could theoretically extend that into Thursday even, um, especially if if they get to the point where a deal is going to be done and it's literally just, you know, working out minor details, but they've agreed on all the important stuff. The union can tell the players, okay, this is getting done. Hop on a plane. If you're not already near your spring training place, get there because you're reporting on Friday and uh, you know, worst case scenario players have to to fly back home or something if something does fall through. But I would imagine that most players, like you said, are uh, definitely ready for the event of, of something happening. And, uh, you know, may, maybe, maybe there's a good time to talk about one Dodger who did show up at that player's camp. Uh, Trevor Bauer walked in with his, his GoPro rolling and, uh, got a little bit petulant with reporters. He pretended he was going to ask or take questions and then said, "Never mind, None of you have my best interest at heart. Um, you know, poor misunderstood Trevor Bauer, the, the poor guy, you know, you just feel for him, uh, all that money and fame. And, uh, ability to do whatever he wants and get away with it you know it's it's got to be a hard life.
1: yeah uh, yeah Bauer was there. you had Blake Trinan and bruzer Gradterall also uh, over there in in Mesa where the players have kind of set up in their spot. Uh, I think it was funny that Gradterol said he's bored he uh, I don't I forget which reporter had it, but he basically said he's been working out. he built uh I think it for Grad I think it's interesting because we noticed last year, he didn't quite get off in the good graces, it seemed like, of the team. Um, it seemed maybe he either came to camp out of shape or not ready. And I know he had battled COVID, but it, it, seemed like, it seemed like they were upset with him. And I think this year he seems to take have taken a different approach. He said that he built a mound in his backyard. He's been throwing. He's been ready to go. And that he came to the camp in, in Mesa with all the other players uh, because he was bored. So that's a good sign, at least on the Gratterall front. Blake Chinon also there mentioned that, you know, the fans are the ones suffering, And, you know, uh, it's nice to know that he knows that it seems that the players seem to know that the fans are the ones suffering and uh, it's the owners that don't quite get it. But, hey, they're negotiating. And at this point, regardless of everything that's happened in the past, the 40 some days that they didn't talk, uh, they're trying to get it done now and and, you know, save the 162 games. And I guess that's the consolation we can have as fans that they are trying
0: yeah and uh there's been a little bit of other stuff to talk about one of the nice things uh, maybe the only nice thing about the current situation is that minor league camp kind of gets to take the the center stage and be the front page news because it's the only news and so maybe in the third segment today you know in the next segment we're going to talk about the Dodgers defense and how it stacks up with the NL West but maybe in the third segment if there's not any news for us to to report Uh, Maybe we'll talk about some of that minor league stuff because, you know, you talk about people coming to camp in in different shape and having worked on things and stuff. There is some news on those fronts that's kind of exciting. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's take a quick break and we will come back in just a second. We will talk about the Dodgers defense and how it stacks up with the rest of the National League West. We want to thank you again for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every day and keep it locked on Dodgers. Are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go? Mission Possible, written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete Tim Tebow, encourages you to find your inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. Mission Possible by Tim Tebow is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. All right. Thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. I also want to tell you about Locked On MLB Prospects. It's a great show. It's really, really good, especially if you're into prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It, just like this show, is free and available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. So let's talk about, uh, continuing our series, Vince. We've, uh, I think this is the, the fifth, uh, fourth or fifth slot we've done, uh, talking about d- how the Dodgers stack up in different areas in the national league West. And today we're going to be talking about defense. Uh, defense is hard to quantify even, you know, even the different statistics we have for defense, uh, don't always agree on everything. Um, there, there's a lot of different uh, stats. My current favorite defensive stat is defensive run saved. Uh, even though, you know, uh, nothing it, it, defense takes a while to really be trustworthy. You, somebody can have a good defensive season and not actually be a great defensive player. He just had a good season. Uh, there's so, so much variety and so few chances at, at sometimes that it's really hard to get a grip, but we're going to do our best. And uh you know, I'm just looking at the, the defensive numbers from last season and in the national league West, the Dodgers had the second best team defensive runs saved in the national league West. Uh, they were pretty far behind the, the Rockies, the Rockies had the most in the NL West, 61 defensive runs saved. Uh, up next was the Dodgers at 36, then the giants at 32 Padres at 16. And then the D backs at negative 37. So, uh, I feel confident in saying that the Diamondbacks will continue to be uh, the worst defensive team in the National League West. Can we agree on that to start with, Vince?
1: Yeah, considering they didn't really add anybody and they have the same guys and a couple guys that are playing out of position, uh, I would imagine that is exactly what's going what's gonna to be in the no list.
0: Yeah, may, maybe when you're as bad as they are, maybe the answer isn't adding anybody, it's subtracting somebody. Uh, they had negative 25 defensive runs saved, in center field, who was there? Was it Ketel well, they Marte?
1: had they had Cattell Marte, who's second baseman playing outfield? They had Dalton Varsha, who's a catcher playing outfield. So, I imagine their outfield was kind of a mess.
0: Yeah, Cattell Marte, negative 15, and uh, Paven Smith, he's on the D backs, right? Yeah, they were the uh, second worst and third worst center fielders in baseball. The only one worse was Jared Kelnick of the Mariners, uh, and so. Yeah, that that's a uh, that that is a recipe for for bad defense. So all right, so uh, we we've determined the D backs are going to be bad again. Um, let, let's talk specifically about the Dodgers. When I look at these numbers by position, uh, pitcher, the Dodgers had negative five defensive runs saved at pitcher. I, I don't know. I I guess that's a thing. I don't worry too much about my pitcher's defense. I don't think it's that important. Um, obviously, if if you could get nine defensive runs saved from your pitchers like the, the Marlins did, uh, you know, that would be great. This is kind of funny. The Phillies uh, pitcher was one of pitcher was the only position. No one of only two positions that they had a positive defensive run saved last year. They had 10 defensive runs saved at pitcher, the best in baseball Four at second base. And every other number was negative for a a league worst, negative 54 defensive runs saved overall. Uh, But we're not talking about the Phillies that's for locked on Phillies. Uh, but uh, the Dodgers, so pitcher was negative five, catcher, 10 defensive runs saved, first base five, second base nine, third base negative nine, shortstop negative one, left field negative five, center field negative five, right field three, and then, uh, yeah, so so that's all our positions. And for me, when I look at this, it seems like there's some room for improvement. Uh, specifically, Corey Seager is not the Dodger shortstop anymore. Trey Turner had a total of four defensive runs saved last year between shortstop and second base. Um, I, I guess let's talk about the, the defensive upgrade from, from Seeger to Turner, the way I see it uh, Turner's going to have significantly better range and a probably significantly worse arm than Corey Seager.
1: Yeah. Uh, one real quick note on the pitchers that could be something, you know, the Dodgers pitchers as, as we've kind of known are, Basically just leave the ball alone. They don't go after balls up the middle. They're, you know, kind of they know that their defensive positioning has them kind of set up. Now, if the shifts are banned, then that might be a change in philosophy where they say, Hey, maybe you do go after some of these balls now because you don't you're not gonna have somebody up the middle. You're not gonna have, you know, guys in different positions. So that's one note on the pitcher side that could be a difference next year for sure. Definitely with the Dodgers as just with the Dodgers specifically knowing that they tell their pitchers not to touch those balls. But um, but yeah when it comes to shortstop I mean Corey Seager was kind of like the most frustrating decently good defensive shortstop out there he it it bothered me that he backhanded almost every ball even if it was right at him um, obviously going to his right wasn't his strongest suit either he wasn't really a guy that dove too much he seemed to benefit a little bit by Dodgers positioning and by just not getting to balls because he didn't dive so it didn't look like you know, he was, you know, making any errors or anything like that. So in terms of, of coverage, yeah, Trey Turner's going to be on coverage. Arm, yeah, like I said, it will be a little bit, slightly less. But, you know, he's going to get to a lot more balls that Seager didn't get to. And I think he'll be able to make up for it in the range with, with using, you know, he just still has a good arm, just not quite Corey Seager's arm. So that's where they're going to make up the most. And then, you know, third base was the other kind of black hole there. And that one is just going to come down to, what they do with DH, if they add, you know, Freddie Freeman, if they get different guys playing third base and Turner's a little bit more of a DH type. uh, Cause we had seen, you know, Turner has gone down a little bit defensive. He still makes some of those good plays, but he's not making all of the great plays that he used to make before.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then sticking in the infield, uh, the Dodgers had nine defensive runs saved at second base last year. And it seems like that number might go down simply because there's a chance they might sign Freddie Freeman. And Uh, Interestingly enough, signing Freeman, uh, it would be awesome offensively. It would actually probably weaken two different defensive spots because Freeman and Muncie are both above average defensive first baseman, but Muncie was uh, quite a bit better than Freeman last year defensively. And, And so, but, you know, I don't think there's any question that if the Dodgers were to sign Freddie Freeman, it would be Max Muncie who moves to a different position. Uh, most likely to second base. And uh, the Dodgers last year had mostly Gavin Lux and Chris Taylor and Trey Turner playing second base, all three of whom are good defensive second basemen. And Max Muncy, when we saw a couple of years ago, when he played a lot of second base, he turned himself into a a solid second baseman. But I I don't think it's controversial to say that going from a combination of Lux, CT, and Trey – to Muncie is a step backwards defensively at second base, right?
1: Yeah, and that's true. And and again, this might be another one that's affected by, depending what the shift rules are, if there's, you know, Max Muncie was able to buy himself a little bit of time by being able to play in the grass and, you know, open up his range a little bit. If if they do make a rule where you have to have a foot on the dirt or whatever the case is, then that limits his range, you know, because it's kind of just directional instead of, you know, going all the way around. So that would affect him as well and you know realistically what you're going to get on offense out of Freeman is going to outweigh that defensive thing and the Dodgers are going to have to figure out you know different ways if there is a, a, you know, a ban on the shift or, or whatever the change on the shift is um, so yeah you lose a little bit there because just based on foot speed although Max Muncy is fast for his size he doesn't compare it to Taylor or Lux or Trey Turner and then if you take away the fact that you know he can make up for it a little bit with the arm by backing up in the, in the grass, he won't be able to do that. So you lose a little bit there. So yeah, all in all that would hurt them defensively, but at the end of the day, they'd still probably be, you know, last year, we, we talked a lot about the Dodgers defense and, and it, you know, might be surprising to some people that they were ahead of the giants in defensive runs saved and, and second in the division, just because, you know, we watched the Dodgers on a day to day basis. We saw the, the fact those get those stretches where they're having two, three, four, five games with multiple errors and, you know, at the end of the day, they still were pretty good. And that's with a compromised Mookie Betts in right field. I mean, only three defensive runs saves. Realistically, he's going to be better out there. And then in center field, you know, Bellinger wasn't really there most of the season. And once he is there, realistically, he's going to be better out there than than the, what they had last year.
0: Yeah, for sure. Talking about the outfit, Actually, first, uh, I, I think uh, all the talk about banning the shift is for 2023. So okay. that wouldn't impact the Dodgers this year. It would be interesting to see you know, give them a, a year of cushion to figure out, okay, can Ma- Max Muncy be a second baseman in a, uh, in a shiftless society or are they going to have to move him to third or, or something else? Uh, yeah, talking about the outfield, L- like you said, Mookie Betts struggled with that hip injury all season and it was visible to our naked eyes that Mookie Betts wasn't the defender that he had been in the past. And hopefully he comes in totally healthy this year because that would be a huge boon for the Dodgers defensively in right field. And then the fact that the Dodgers had a negative five defensive run saved in center field, uh, that absolutely has to go up because Cody Bellinger is one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. And his backup is Chris Taylor, who is also one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. And and so uh, between those two guys and with Bellinger getting the vast majority of the innings in center field, I would expect a huge jump from negative five to more like positive seven, uh, which is a, a massive jump. And I would expect bets to, to go from three to something like seven also. So that's a 16 extra defensive run save just between those two positions that I would expect to see in 2022 compared to 2021.
1: Yeah, and, and that's where the jump comes from. Obviously, left field will kind of be the same if Pollock's out there for the most part. Um, so, you know, it just depends what they do. You know, Freddie Freeman comes in, you might lose a little bit in the infield, but what you're gaining in the outfield com- and plus what you're gaining on offense, I think it all kind of works out. But where they stack in the division, we'll have to finish up after.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we will come back in a second. We will talk, compare all this stuff to how they stack up in the national league West. So thank you again for making locked on Dodgers your first listen every day and keep it locked on Dodgers. So, uh, built bar, we've talked a lot about built bar over the years. And, uh, if you haven't tried it yet, it's time to try it. It is. They're so good. They're so healthy. It's like eating a candy bar, except you don't have to feel guilty about it. They also have these built puffs that are basically chocolate covered marshmallows that are also somehow healthy for you. Uh, built bars are really good. I, I know they pay me to advertise for them, but I've got a pantry full of built bars that I paid my own money for. Uh, I love them. My family loves them. It is a great thing just today. Uh, my sons and I had baseball practice for, for four hours and they were busy with school stuff and stuff. And so all three of us just grabbed a built bar on the, on our way out the door because it, you know, it gives you that, uh, energy you need to go do what you need to do it's delicious and it's easy to eat on the go. So everything about Built Bar, if you need something that's healthy, a healthy snack, something to help you uh, with your weight loss goals or your, your weight gain goals, if you're trying to, to build muscle, whatever you want, Built Bars and everything they make is low carb, low sugar, low calorie, high protein, high fiber, all the good stuff, none of the bad stuff. And If you go to built.com, you can use promo code LOCK15 and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And speaking of advertisers that I use personally, let's talk about rockauto.com. If you ever need auto parts, go to rockauto.com because you will get a better price, better selection, and you won't have to go to an auto parts store. You just sit at your computer, go to rockauto.com. You can pull up all the parts available for your car or truck and you'll see they have what you need and it is going to cost you a lot less than it would cost at the auto parts store. And it probably won't even take longer because chances are most, most of the auto parts stores just stock generic parts. And so uh, even if you went down to the auto parts store, they'd probably have to order in the part that's specifically made for your car. And then you have to go back and pick it up. Well, Rock Auto, you don't got to go anywhere except to your computer or your phone. Tap in rockauto.com. Find the, you know, check out all the parts available for your car or truck. And if you do buy something, just write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. All right. So as we're, it's now 12 or 1241 where I am 1141 PM, where you are still no news on the CBA Negotiations, uh, one way or the other. So, we're going to keep talking about this defense, uh, and then we will talk in just a second about a little bit of uh, minor leaguer news in spring training. So, the Rockies had the best DRS last year, their biggest number came at third base. Uh, mostly it was Ryan McMahon and Joshua Fuentes, who were uh, Fuentes was one of the best defensive third, probably inning per inning, the best defensive third baseman in baseball last year, even better than his cousin, Nolan Arenado, who he replaced with the Rockies. The problem, you know, Fuentes had 10 defensive runs saved in only 452 innings, uh, which is if I'm doing the math, Brian Hayes was pretty close to that same rate per inning and they were the two best problem is Josh Fuentes can't hit. And so uh, he's either not going to get much playing time, or his defensive value is going to be massively offset by the fact that he can't hit. He is Nolan Arenado without the ability to hit. They look alike, they feel the like, they do not hit alike. Uh, and you know, uh, the other guy, Ryan McMahon, hits better than Fuentes. He, even he was below average last year when you account for parks and everything. Uh, so, you know, I would expect the the Rockies, looking at all their numbers, I would expect them to take a step backward. And even if they don't, it's one of those things. Well, okay, but they're not going to be good. So who really cares? Uh, The Giants are – I don't know if you have any thoughts on the Rockies, Vince.
1: No. I mean, when I think of the Rockies uh, last year, I didn't think of them as defensive studs, So uh, that number was surprising to hear. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, even if we ranked them first, it's still not going to change the fact that they're going to finish fifth in the division.
0: Yep. And uh, the Giants – we're just behind the Dodgers. Most of their value came from right field and center field. Uh, and, you know, Mike, Mike Wazowski or Mike uh was very good in right field. Uh, whoever they had playing center field, I don't even remember who their center fielder was last year. I assume it's uh, one of those guys. They've got a couple guys who are the same person to me. I don't know. Um, but the, most of the, of the Giants value came from their shifts. They had the best defensive runs saved. Uh, number in shifts, partly because they, I think they shifted more than any team in baseball. Uh, you know, the giants are probably going to be solid defensively again, but I, I do wonder Mike Yastrzemski is now a year older and he wasn't very young to start with. So, you know, I I'm sure some of the value comes from playing that weird right field. Well, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Yastrzemski take a step backwards.
1: Yeah. And, and it's kind of like what I talked about their lineup in yesterday's episode is, you're counting a lot on the age you're counting on, you know, mid thirties, Brandon Crawford, mid thirties, Evan Longoria, you know, Brandon Bell first base, you know, you don't need to move around too much, but still uh, another year of Brandon Bell. Um, You're counting on a bunch of guys moving around, which, you know, you can get defensive value out of with feeling the Dodgers, get defensive value out of playing guys in, in their different positions and, and in different you know, time depending on who's pitching and stuff like that. So, I still think you know, realistically, they—they're the Giants. You, when you think of them when they're good, they're you think of like fundamental baseball and making the easy plays. And I think, I think the biggest difference last year with the Dodgers is they were botching a lot of the easy plays. You know, when you think of the Dodgers defensively, other than Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, you're not really thinking of great defensive plays. You're thinking of just you know. Good positioning and guys making the right plays. Last year, the routine plays were the one that gets botched. And when we're every time the Dodgers play the Giants in the regular season, none of those really routine plays ever got botched. And and you know that was the difference in some of those games. And even in the postseason, you know the games were really close as well. And you know one bad move could have could have shifted the thing. And you know didn't really quite work out. So I think when you think of the Giants, you know while their number wasn't that strong. In terms of defensive runs saved, I do think that they were good at making the easy and, and generic play, and that's really what propelled them and had them you know take over the Dodgers in the NL West.
0: Yep, and then you have the Padres, who a lot of flash. Obviously, Manny Machado is very good defensively. Uh, they had 11 defensive runs saved at third. They had 12 at second base, which I think was a lot of Jake Cronenworth. We saw enough of him uh, to, to drive us crazy. They had two defensive re- runs saved at shortstop. Uh, which is surprising because Tatis has a lot of range and a very good arm, but he also made I think if I remember right, 874 errors last year, which has got to hurt the defensive run saved numbers at least a little bit. Uh, but then they, you know, they were very bad in right field. Uh, was that who who plays right? Will field Myers. Oh yeah, yeah. They were solid in center field. Five defensive defensive run saved from Trent Grisham, mostly uh, kind of lousy at catcher. Overall, just kind of uh you know, kind of a middle of the pack. I don't know if you have any Padres thoughts.
1: Yeah, they're kind of the opposite of the Giants, where they are gonna make a bunch of those crazy defensive plays. I mean, for every three, four airs that Tatis makes, he's gonna make one play that kind of makes the normal casual fans forget that he did make, you know, five airs in between those two good plays. So uh, you know, Machado's always going to be a, a good guy just based on his arm and the range. Cronenworth's a guy that was able to move between first and second pretty seamlessly and do really well. I think they'll get boosted behind the play with Nola being an everyday guy again if he doesn't get hurt. But kind of what I talked about yesterday in terms of lineup, I mean, I don't think they want – I think they want to get at least one more outfielder that pushes Will Myers to more of a DH role um, because, as you just mentioned, they weren't getting right field center field. You know, Grisham was a goal glover a couple years ago. He still has – you know, pretty good defense out there. And then the left field is just going to be a matter of who else they get to, you know, profile, I think was one of the guys I talked about last night. It could, could be their other outfielder. So I think they're going to need at least two more guys, but we'll see what happens. But they are, you know, the flash is there. Um They have a couple good stalwarts in, in Cronenworth and Machado, but, you know, I don't think overall defensively, they're better than the Dodgers, but I do think they will have more, Sports Center top 10 highlights in the Dodgers will just based on the fact that they are a little full more flashy.
0: Yeah, and it's worth noting that uh it, it's a notable thing that Fernando Tatis Jr actually had a positive defensive run save despite all those errors. It shows you how good he is uh at at a lot of the things about playing shortstop and you know the scary part is I expect that to get a lot better. I expect him to make better throws you know that's something that I guess it could be something that plagues him throughout his career and maybe they do have to move him to center field uh overall because of it but I think it's more likely that he probably gets better at making the throws gets smarter at when to just eat the ball instead of trying to make a an amazing throw and uh so yeah I expect that number to go up overall I'd say in the National League West I expect the Dodgers I I could picture them being anywhere between first and third in defensive runs saved in the National League West next year but uh Overall, I would think, you know, like they said, they, they were really close. They were only – Dodger had 36, Giants had 32, and I, I'd see them both being around there, and I would expect them to finish two and three in the, in the division defensively again uh, in one, one of those orders.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they're first, I wouldn't be surprised just based on the bounce backs that we talked about. But if they were, you know, second or third, it's I don't necessarily think it would be because of them. I think it would just be because other teams were better. And at the end of the day, you know, they've been first. I'm pretty sure they were – Well, I don't know. If they probably weren't – were they first in rotation for you? Probably not yet, right, when you did rotation. Right? Um.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, – yeah, I, I yeah. don't remember. They, there's so many, so much up in the air right now with the rotation because yeah. you don't know who's going to be on what team.
1: Yeah, but I had them first in bullpen, first in lineup. So if they're not first in defense, it won't be the end of the world. I just hope – for the Dodgers, regardless of where they finish in the division, that they just you know clean up what they had issues with last year, and if that's all they, if they literally just make all the routine plays, uh, that's all I ever could ask for out of a defense.
0: Yep. Uh, still no news. Uh, what Evan Drellick told us about 12 minutes ago that they're still talking. They're into about hour 17 of talking, and so uh, you know that that's maybe a good thing. I'm not going to get my hopes up until the ink is dry. But it looks like we're going to end this episode without news. Uh, just really quickly, even though we're a little bit over time, a couple of things that I teased earlier on the minor league side, Ryan Pepio, uh said he's a five pitch pitcher. Now, you know, the big question about Pepio has been adding a third pitch, uh, getting a third pitch solid uh, because he's got an amazing changeup and a very good fastball. And he needed that third pitch. Sounds like he's been working on pitches three, four, and five. And, you know, if he can get all three of them to even average uh, that, you know, having two great pitches or one great pitch, one good pitch and three average pitches is probably as good as having three pitches and probably strengthens his chances of being a starting pitcher.
1: Yeah. One thing to note on that is that one of those pitches is a slider with the grip he got from Blake Trinan. So if that, if he can get anywhere near Blake Trinan's uh, you know, he could be well on his way to being in the rotation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's more to throwing a slider than grip, but it's a, it's a good starting point. And uh Bobby Miller said he came into camp. He said he put on 15 pounds of muscle in the off season. They, they said he's already been hitting a hundred miles an hour in spring training. And so uh, Bobby Miller seems intent on uh, turning into a stud.
1: Yeah. And Diego Cartaya hit a ball into the parking lot over the fence and a camelback. So it, it, it's, as much as it's not exciting for MLB right now, just based on coming what's coming out of minor league camp, you it's hard to not get excited about all that.
0: Yep. And like I said, it's fun that it gets to take uh, center stage right now. So it will continue to take center stage at least uh, while you and I sleep, because as of right now, still no deal, almost midnight California time. Uh, But we're going to wrap this episode up. We do thank you guys for... Making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. We really appreciate it. For your second listen today, check out Locked On MLB, where Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on on the... (coughs) Excuse me. Sully just gets me all choked up. His unique perspective on the major leagues, past and present. It is free and available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Like I said, we appreciate you listening to us every day. If you're not listening or watching every day, we would love if you would add one or two days a month to your rotation. If you have not yet subscribed on YouTube, please do that. Even if you don't watch us on YouTube, YouTube you prefer to listen on the podcast. Please subscribe on YouTube. That helps us. Every subscriber helps. Um, we're doing giveaways every time we hit a round number of hundred on those subscribers. We're currently about 40 away from 900 and our next giveaway. So please do that. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address, if you want to send us an email, is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or texts is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: Have a good one.